0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of IRI Growth Insights. I'm Joan Driggs. IRI recently published a paper on Gen Z, Understand Me, Don't Define Me, and it is generating a lot of buzz. Uh, I just recently I had the opportunity to speak with Jennifer Polino, IRI's Executive Vice President of Omnichannel Media, and Shelly Zalis, CEO of The Female Quotient, a collective working to advance equality. And a valuable partner of IRI who contributed to our white paper. Um, we talked about what G- Gen Z looks like as they're coming of age. But for this episode, I'm joined by the report's lead author, Lynn Gillis, principal of IRI's survey and segmentation practice, to learn more about Gen Z and their relationship to brands um, and really about how brands should be connecting with Gen Z consumers. So, welcome, Lynn.
1: Thank you.
0: Um, Lynn, the youngest Gen Zers are still in grade school, um, and the oldest of this generation are just 23, but already their sphere of influence is, is notable, right? What did you set out to learn with the research you conducted for the white paper, by, which, by the way, for our listeners can be found at iriworldwide.com? Um, just look for the report, understand me, don't define me. So, Lynn, what, what were the goals?
1: Yeah. So, one of the biggest questions that both manufacturers and retailers have been asking us is, how do I create brand loyalty among this Gen Z generation? Right. Um, obviously, the idea is you start a you know you start a brand young with consumers and get them to you know buy it for a lifetime. That cohort you know adds a whole, has a tremendous amount of lifetime value when you go at it that way. Excuse me, the thing is, is that, you know, while this seems like a pretty straightforward question, there's actually a lot more to it um, than you might imagine. So when we approached this whole body of work, we came at it with three main questions. One was, what does the brand discovery process look like for Gen Z? And how does that? play into their willingness or unwillingness to adopt a brand and kind of call it their own? How does Brent, excuse me, how does Gen Z's desire kind of not to be labeled impact the types of marketing or the types of messages that either will or will not resonate with them? And then finally, what's important to Gen Z from a brand perspective? So that is what gets them to really notice a brand, What entices them to actually put it in their shopping cart, whether that shopping cart is actually one that's in a a physical store or one that's online? And then how does that play out in terms of their actual ongoing behavior?
0: It sounds kind of like a simple question, but you're definitely teeing up something that's a lot more complicated.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think that we all need to remember that, you know, Gen Z is... Really, relatively speaking, at the very beginning of this lifetime journey that they're going to have as shoppers, right? There's so much that they're just beginning to discover and learn about shopping. And so, in many ways, you know, they're really just kind of starting to flex their own shopper muscles for many of them who have jobs or who are earning their own money in other you know other ways babysitting or whatever you know they're just now recognizing what it feels like to spend their own money versus spending you know mom and dad's money and i'll tell you that's an awakening for sure right they they approach that decision making process in a much different way than they do when they're not the ones that are necessarily opening their wallets and you know and paying for it um you know and so I think there's that piece to consider, but there's also the piece that is about the fact that this is a generation that is far more thoughtful about their purchasing um, and the impact that that purchasing has not only on their wallets, but also on things like the planet, society, their health, right? They come at decision-making with a whole lot more information and a whole lot more I don't know. I guess I'd call it a very a much more complex and nuanced approach than you might imagine, right? Now I'm not going to I'm not telling you that they're going to like overthink every single thing that they do. That's not it at all. It's it's just that there are more things that ultimately go into all of the factors that that influence them and that that do get kind of weighed into the consideration process no matter how kind of automatic that might be. You know, one of the things that we said in the white paper, and I really do want to emphasize it here, is that it's really, really important not to gloss over the fact that the brand discovery process for Gen Z is super critical right now. Right? Um, You know, it's tempting to kind of think about like, okay, how do we move straight to trying to determine how to create loyalty among this group? Right? Like, we like if we do X then we're going to have a Gen Z generation who is far more loyal than not loyal. But I think that in many ways, one of the things that um, we might not be giving as much credibility to, but you know, came up in the data, uh, certainly came up a lot in the qualitative work that we were doing, but also in the quantitative work, too, was that that brand discovery process is a a very important piece. So, you know, it can be play for this generation, right? Um, It can be lighthearted. Um, It's a piece of the brand experience that can be super powerful in how the brand ultimately kind of connects and resonates with the generation you know, but here's the thing about Gen Z and brand loyalty is that, you know, they are a generation that highly values the freedom to conform or not conform, right? So, they kind of move through the world in a very different way than virtually every generation before them, right? Younger millennials are a little bit more like them, but but for the most part, this is something that is pretty unique to Gen Z. So, you know, they move through these different experiences and relationships and brand or product experiences in a really fluid way, right? They love to try different things. That experimental kind of attitude isn't something that is... um, a precursor to not being loyal. It's simply where you know kind of who they are, right? And you think about them. I mean, they've got so much more available to them, right? I mean, you know, they are a generation that are true they are truly the first digital natives. And so when you think about just what's available to them to see online, even in a store, right? Like just the sheer volume of choices for them sets up a world where that that love of experimentation can really be fueled. So they don't feel particularly beholden in any particular way to kind of staying with the status quo unless it's really working for them. Now, you know, certainly if things are working for them, they will continue to purchase them. But, you know, this is a generation that's growing up in an environment where there's really constant and fast moving change. They're used to pivoting and adapting as they need and want to. So for them, right, you have to remember that the idea of brand loyalty is a little different than it might be, say, for your average baby boomer, right? You know, for them, they they want brands to commit to the evolution and constantly changing nature of their generation, right? It's not that, you know, it's not that they're not willing to be loyal but they're not willing to be stagnant right and so you know it's kind of like if you think about that notion of kind of adapt or die that really kind of plays out in a very literal way right with Gen Z so
0: so you've yeah. kind of identified you know what makes Gen Z more unique or unique among generations and that is you've mentioned things like digital natives you've mentioned mm-hmm. that they have Um, far more fluid approach, you know, that they recognize that they're just starting their lives in so many ways. So they're just open to kind of going with the flow a little bit and expect others to do do the same. Um, But let's talk a little bit more about some of those values, because you mentioned that they're very, like that they have a strong set of values. And I would think that that would play an important role into how they approach brands. Um, or their purchases. So can we talk a little bit about more about some of those things that they value? Sure, absolutely.
1: You know, I think um, this is probably a generation that is um, you know, when you when you think about what defines them. Um They, you kind of have to take it back to how they grew up, right? So, this is a generation that demographically is the most culturally diverse generation ever. So, there is a huge kind of just inherent, um, uh, aspect to them where they are used to this level of diversity that, you know, simply wasn't necessarily as present in other generations, right? Somewhat for millennials, but it really takes place here. So, if you think about like what the most disruptive forces are for this generation and what they value the most. It's, it's all surrounded in that kind of cultural diversity and cultural intersectionality. It's not just about, you know, black or white for them. It's about and not, or right. They don't want to be forced into binary choices it, that's probably the best way to, to put it. So they're really super fluid, right? And they and they value that freedom, right? That's that is a huge value for them. And so when we talk about brand loyalty, right, one of the things that that plays out in and, and kind of this expectation that I just mentioned that brands will evolve with them, well, you know, they expect there to be um, a much more inclusive, fluid, Approach that brands have to to talking to them. The other thing that's hugely important for this generation is um, a social conscience, which includes an environmental conscience, right? So they want to do business with brands and retailers who have those same values. And in the work that we've done um, over and over and over again, one of the things that we see for them is that they you know, put right at the top of their lists of things that matter and are most important when deciding. You know, kind of what to buy, or kind of you know what characteristics are important when they're thinking about um, how they make their choices. That idea of caring about the environment and sustainability always rises to the top, right? Mm-hmm. By by a really big margin. So those are those are the things I think that really make them stand out.
0: So, and this is going to sound like a really contrary question from me, but um, but I did read the report, so I know it's <laughs> there. Um, and that is, you know, they don't want to be they don't want to be compartmentalized. They don't want to be, you know, bucketed. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you you have approached this. You have discovered that there are some shared characteristics among this group. And you just mentioned, you know, that social and environmental awareness and the expectation. Um, that brands are going to be supporting their values. What else do we know about them um, that would be especially important for, for brands and marketers to be aware of?
1: So I I think there's a couple of things. Um, One is that this is a generation that has a huge bias to action. Right. And remember, like, this, they, they grew up or they are growing up, right? Because many of them are still very young, um, but they are growing up in a world where they kind of have instant everything, right? Like I remember we were sitting in a, um, we were sitting in one of the focus groups that we had done. And in part of the work that um, we've done with Gen Z, we've talked to parents of Gen Z as well as the Gen Z's themselves. And in one of the groups that we were doing with the parents, there was one, uh, one mom that was kind of going on about like, gosh, it's so hard to be a mom of these kids right now because everything that they see, they can theoretically get instantly, right? Like it's instant access to streaming video. It's instant access to shopping. It's instant access to the news. It's instant access to everything. And the thing that as a parent, that they've been trying to impress on, and this was kind of echoed by parents across the board, it's one of the things that really was thematic, was, was trying to teach them the value of waiting, right? Mm-hmm. So, there's this inherent tension, right, that that these kids are are experiencing, which is you know they've they've grown up in kind of this instant access everything. They have a true bias to action, right? Like they want to change the world, right? And 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 there's no reason why they think that they should not be able to do that and do it quickly, right? So things that that don't happen quickly for them, you know, can cause some frustration, right? So um, I think the idea of of speed. Is is huge for them, right? Speed in a meaningful way, right? So that's one thing, you know. So, for example, like if there were, um, you know, some kind of a, 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 you know, I don't know, I'm like, let's take climate change for an example, you know, and there were a brand that was really, you know, touting that as a value. They're not going to wait around, right? For them, for that brand to Take action in a visible way, right? They're not—they're not very patient with like all talk and no action. They want to see the action, so so that's one piece. Um, I think I think the other thing for them—they're very action-oriented. I think they're they're also they're also a group that is hugely hugely devoted to individuality and to authenticity, right? So, they want to have…
0: that's a…
1: That authenticity, I think, really is a key, a key word. It right is, there. right? It is. So, you know, and and by being authentic, right, there's… It doesn't mean that, that brands have to be one thing and be one thing forever or that there's only, you know… Um, You know, kind of one way of doing things. In fact, it means just the opposite. Um, You know, you take, for example, some of the brands that we looked at within the white paper. in terms of kind of how did, how did Gen Z react to them? So we've got, you know, when you, when you think about, um, for example, bang energy drinks versus native personal care products, those two probably couldn't be further apart on the spectrum in terms of kind of how they present themselves, right? Native's very, um, you know, uh, uh, Subdued, I would almost subdued and 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 really natural and and you know the whole idea of kind of minimal packaging and minimal impact on the planet and good for you and all of those kinds of things, you know, go with that native native persona. And that works well for them because it's 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 very consistent, right, with who that brand is bang on the other hand, it is all bright and you know energetic and and it's very authentic to who that brand is, right? So or what that brand is, right? So so they definitely want the authenticity to be there. But the thing is they don't want to be pandered to, right? So for example, one of the things that we talked a lot about with kids both qualitatively and quantitatively was the idea of gender and how does that play out right because it's been such a big topic and you know is it important that there be kind of just this very gender neutral approach to everything you know should you not take a gender stand on something and the, and the response that we got back from these um from from these folks that we were talking to was was really interesting because they're like no it's not about that right like like the that gender right now for some brands is being used as a quote-unquote marketing tool, right? And that's not what this generation wants. What this generation wants is if you're going to take a gendered approach to a product, it needs to make sense, right? Like, um, one of the things that came up in in some of the work that we were doing was this idea that, um, you know, why is there a difference between um, disposable razors for men versus women? Right. I, I don't know. Like one, why is one packaged in very pink and, You know, yellow and more kind of traditionally feminine kind of colors, and the other stuff you know packaged in dark grays and navies and things that you know might feel more masculine, right? Why is there a difference um, between the products themselves, right? We had we had many of the of the women respondents that we spoke with were saying. They go to the men's departments on things like, you know, razors or deodorants because those products work better. Right. So, you know, they don't, they don't understand why things um, you know, and so that kind of comes up as like a like a, a big question for them, right? So, so if there is an authentic portrayal of a brand that makes sense and is gendered, that's great. But what they don't see the need for is to have kind of this false sense of, you know, it needs to be pink or it needs to be blue. Like that doesn't make any sense to them. And that just inherently is kind of dissonant. Does that make sense? It totally does. Yeah. And
0: you know what? You're you're kind of taking me into a, a different path too, because we've been talking a lot about the brands, which is awesome. Um, but there's one thing, like now you're kind of talking about shopping different aisles or going mm-hmm. to different places. And I think that retail angle is so important. You know, one of the things that I just loved in the report is that you mentioned that because these are new shoppers, they love the discovery in store. So yeah. tell me a little bit about like some retailer, some retail strategies or retailers that you believe are are getting it right.
1: Yeah. So, so here's the thing about Gen Z that, that is kind of a, you know, it presents kind of a dichotomy that's a little bit, um, that can sound like a, a contradiction, but I think it's really not if you think it through. So th- these are new shoppers, right? These are, these are people who, you know, both love the discovery and experimentation process, but it can be overwhelming, so, I'm going to give you kind of two examples of how that plays out. Um, so, one example that we get and, and one of the questions that that we talked to um, these Gen Zers that we did the work with about was that, you know, it's I think it's widely thought of that Gen Z gravitates to, would gravitate to online shopping because it's the thing that is so… Um, would because they're so digitally savvy and comfortable is the thing that would would make the most sense for them but actually that's not true because when you think about the shopping process and the love of discovery that happens more easily In a physical environment, they can take a product off the shelves. They can touch it. They can turn it around. They can look at the packaging. They can look at the ingredients. They can, you know, they can look at all of the different things that make up that product um, and figure out, right? Is it the one for me or not? In an online environment, when they're shopping, you know, whether it's you know you know uh, the Kroger website or target.com or walmart or wherever right they're having to scroll and you don't end up with the same visual experience that you do in store and remember this is a generation that is hugely visually focused right they communicate with each other right in in very visual ways right they communicate with emojis and they communicate with pictures and that's why short form video is so popular right with this with this group so so in store the discovery process is easier for them because they can see more at once right but it can also be overwhelming when there is a ton of stuff that either isn't well organized or it's messy, or, you know, or things don't make sense in terms of just how they're overall you know, merchandised. So there is a process of simplification from a retail perspective that I think um, works well. You know, let, me take, let me take another step of this. The process of simplifying will help retailers better connect with Gen Z. And one of the retailers that gets touted as one of Gen Z's favorites over and over and over again um, is Trader Joe's. And one of the reasons for that is because Trader Joe's makes it inherently more simple to shop the store. Now, granted, everything in Trader Joe's is, you know, their own brand, right? It's all store brand um, merchandise, but take take that piece kind of and, and put it to the side for a moment. The The merchandise that they offer is a, is a streamlined set of products, right? Whether they're their own brand or some other brands, I don't know that that would really matter to Gen Z. I think the thing is that it's, it's less to choose from, which makes the process easier, right? The signage that's in that store is very simple to understand and the way that they um, use the signage, right? It all looks like it's handwritten, for example. That makes the whole process feel a little bit more approachable, right? Now, it's all very on-brand with who Trader Joe's is and, and the kind of thing that they want to communicate. Again, kind of playing into that authenticity role. But but the the simplification of the number of products that are offered um, and the simplification of kind of how to find the products, like good signage, signage is easy um, to read. That all um, that all helps them a lot in store. So it makes the discovery process more fun because they're not kind of overwhelmed or kind of fighting to find what it is they're looking for.
0: So um, you've talked, you mentioned this a little bit um, in that they are, they are the digital natives. They love short form video. So how mm-hmm. does that play into, you know, how does the popularity of, of short form video like TikTok or Instagram, I mean, how does that play into um, Gen Z's relationships with brands?
1: Yeah, you know, it's that was a really interesting piece. Um, and one of the surprising things, and and um, it was surprising to the Gen Zers that we talked to as well, was kind of the emergence of TikTok as the as a place for brand discovery, because. You know, when you think about these these social media short form video platforms, you know Snapchat or or TikTok or you know the Instagram stories or any of that kind of stuff, right? Gen Z is not stupid. They understand that there are influencers who are paid to be on those platforms to get them to be um, noticing and interested in and potentially buying different kinds of products. And, you know, they're okay with that, right? Like, they get it. They're they're cool with it. If it's an influencer that they particularly like for whatever reasons, um, you know, that comes across well to them, they're fine with that. The thing that was surprising, though, was that TikTok, for the most part, was um, largely a short form video format that was just kind of fun, right? Like it was entertaining. Not that Snapchat isn't, right? It, of course it is, and Instagram is very much used for entertainment. But I think I think the branded things that they were seeing on, you know, whether it's Instagram or Snapchat or or whatever, might have been a little bit more expected. And TikTok, I think, it came up a little bit. It it came up in a way that felt a little bit more organic. And one of the things that happened. Um, and this was brought up in just a whole variety of different um, situations, was they were introduced to products um, by people that they follow on TikTok in ways that were surprisingly um, influential, right? And so so that really did come up as something that um, – was more unexpected, both from the Gen Z's perspective um, and from our perspective, right? We, you know, we 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 didn't expect them to be saying, "Oh yeah, you know, you know, when you discover new products, you know, where where did you find them?" And and they were like, "Well, TikTok, you know," and and that was, you know, that was a big thing. And I think that that speaks to the power of things that are less manufactured. And and again, kind of more organic in, in breaking through to, to this generation.
0: Right. Because even those influencers are going to put their own spin on it, they're going to deliver right it in, in a way that is associated more with their personal brand. So that is uh-huh. fascinating. Um, so as we wrap up, Lynn, like if you were, you know, to kind of make some recommendations or something, what do you think? What are like one or two or even three things that you think brands should do to connect? with this, this generation? Sure.
1: So I think above all, right. Be who you are, right. Embrace if, you know, if you have, you know, a, a brand personality or a brand, a set of, 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 brand traits that are just emblematic of, you know, who you want that brand to be go all in with it right like be that brand everywhere like don't don't hesitate right with this with this generation like like do it with with all you've got and be willing to evolve kind of as you move forward right so i realize that's much easier said than done um but it is something that i think is going to be a Continuing and growing expectation, right? To stay relevant, you're going to have to keep their attention. So it's this constant innovation, um, not necessarily in terms of changing what the brand is, but but certainly keeping their attention by talking about the brand in different ways and 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 being unique in that aspect is important. I think. Secondly, um, is have have some kind of social commitment that you make and act upon, right because it's not going to be just enough to be a brand that's out there anymore. This is a generation that expects brands to be more than just you know the can of soda or you know the the bottle of milk or the bag of nuts or you know whatever the thing is. Um, they expect brands to participate. In making the world a better place. so so pick something and be vocal about it and and really, again, be all in with that commitment. Um, and then I think the the, the last thing is, um, don't forget to have fun, right? And don't forget that this is a generation that is that is just learning. So again, it kind of I'm gonna go full circle back to where we started, which is, don't shortchange that discovery process, whether you're a brand or whether you're a retailer. That is that is just such a foundationally critical piece, right? And and to make that process as engaging as you possibly can, and that you know that comes through packaging, that comes through messaging, that comes through um, all of the different ways that you know you lead a, a Gen Zer to your product in the store. All of it, right? becomes something that can be just a really really enjoyable and fun aspect for for a generation that really kind of you know tends to be more serious overall it's a wonderful it's a wonderful way for them to participate in learning about brands in a way that's really enjoyable for them so those would be the three things that i would leave you with
0: that's awesome. And, and I do want to recap just a couple other things that you said, because, you know, you really did um, make a point of saying this generation recognizes that their journey is just beginning. You know, mm-hmm. they're maybe 20% of the consumers and, and they control, you know, about, what, $143 billion of direct spending now, but that's going to change. Um, they are the most culturally diverse. They are digital natives. And they are not an either-or generation. They are a yes-and generation. Um, so, hey, marketers, be true to your brand. Um, be Even as a brand, be your authentic self. That is such a, a now thing to say. Um, be willing to evolve and stay relevant with this generation as they mature. Be committed socially and be a partner to them because they do want to change the world. And don't forget to have fun with this generation. Be engaging. So Lynn, some excellent topics. Um, We could go on and on, but you have answered so many of the burning questions about this generation. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, Thank you, Joe.
0: Okay. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.